Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. Monday edition of the program, a hoops crazy weekend. There is no question about that. Locally, the top storyline, the Providence boys basketball team bringing home the uh, semi-state championship in thrilling fashion in Seymour on Saturday evening. And of course, the NCAA tournament we knew headed into the weekend, Indiana gone, Kentucky gone, and the Big Ten really stumbled once again through the first few rounds of the NCAA tournament, despite once again being the top or one of the top conferences in college basketball. If you just look at postseason results uh, in the big dance, you wouldn't have that same feeling about the Big Ten Conference. But Purdue survived over Texas last night, uh, many other teams out. Uh, Michigan in the, the Sweet 16, who saw that coming a few weeks ago. They were projected preseason to be that kind of team that could make a Sweet 16 or even a Elite Eight or Final Four run. But uh, as the season played out, the Wolverines didn't appear to be that kind of ball club. So crazy, crazy college basketball over the weekend. The good news, it's still just getting started. you got the Sweet 16 coming up on Thursday. And then uh, obviously the weekend, you'll get to the Elite Eight games before a week, two weeks from now, you get to the Final Four and eventually the national championship game. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today. Uh, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, coming up here in just a few moments, we're going to be joined by Providence senior Max Beatty. Uh, he had a huge game on Saturday for the Pioneers to help them win the semi-state. Uh, it wasn't the best game played by this Providence team, but they had some guys step up and step up in a big way, did Max Beatty. He's going to join us here in just a few moments. Also, later in the show, it's Monday, so Zach Osterman of the Indy Star is with us. Zach is the IU writer for the Star, and it's officially off-season mode for the Hoosiers. Things are getting ready to get wild in college basketball, and I don't mean the, the tournament necessarily. Uh, the transfer portal is wide open, and with each day that comes, there will be a number of new names coming and going from that portal, and of course, recruiting picks up, uh, who's staying, who's going on the current roster, and you've got some big decisions to be made with Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson and others uh, on this IU roster. Are they going to come back for another season? Are they going to try some level of professional basketball? Is Race Thompson going to play professional basketball overseas? So uh, a lot of big things coming up. And we'll talk about it all daily here on the program as we 
hard to think. Uh, talk about year two of Mike Woodson, and it really begins today with the offseason. Also, later in the show, it's Monday, so Chad Gilbert will be my guest. Chad's the AD at Charlestown High School, former uh, coach in the area, IHSA executive board member. He's always with me Monday as we talk about local stuff, local basketball very often. Uh, Providence winning the semi-state big. We'll talk semi-state basketball from over the weekend. And uh, spring sports are here. Baseball is official practices for baseball and softball uh, underway last Monday. I know there are some scrimmage games coming up later this week, and uh, we're just a week uh, away from the start of the official season. And you know how good baseball has been here in our local area, and I see no reason it won't be very good again this year. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. And let's get to our first guest of the hour, the man of the weekend for Providence, senior Max Beatty. Joining us now from Providence High School. Max, first off, congratulations. A big game personally for you and obviously a huge night for the Pioneers as a team. Yep, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, you came out blazing. You had seven early points for Providence. Uh, Jeff Crawford, who is my color commentary partner on our broadcast, he know he's known you for a long time, and he said Max just has a different look in his eyes tonight. Can you tell me what was going on with you before and in the start of that ball game? Yeah, I knew uh, my postseason game hasn't been really on this year. So uh, all the coaches in the locker room before the game, they're like, man, you're due to have a good game. And uh, walking out on practice before the game, all the Beatty insurance on the Jumbotron up there. So I was like, <laughs> man, destined to have a good game. I love it. Uh, Max Beatty, 15 points. Uh, for Providence on Saturday night as the Pioneers beat a really good Eastern Hancock team. We're going to talk more about the semi-state game later in the show, but Max, that Eastern Hancock team, they were really good. Yeah, they were. Um, I know they took like the most threes in the state, I believe, most attempts, and uh, they could really shoot the ball. They had a bunch that went just in and out that really helped us so much, and uh, they could their defense was they were scrappy man and the refs they were letting us play so that really went to advantage to both of our teams because we're both a scrappy defensive team absolutely max Beatty of providence is my guest max the biggest moment of the game for you and you had a lot of big ones three threes 15 points but it it came late in the ball game under a minute left and you guys were basically in a delay game trying to hold it up top uh, possibly get fouled. You were had a one-point lead and looking to salt the game away was the plan. You got open on the right wing uh, despite all the pressure they were applying up top around the top of the key and near the front court, uh, and you let one fly. And uh, I think that video of your shot has been uh, seen all around social media. It was the biggest shot of the game and probably the biggest shot of your career so far. Uh, up one. Tell us the thought process. You're right there by Coach Miller. He's right in your ear. Was he telling you to shoot it? I got to believe Coach Miller was probably telling you to not shoot it, but you did. It went in, and uh, it was a huge moment for Providence and for you. Yeah, I can't tell, I can't tell you how many times I've rewatched that video. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I know I could hear all the coaches in my ear. They're all saying, no, no, no. After playing basketball for Coach Miller for three years, I'm like, I don't know why I took that shot because I know he's 
trained us to move the ball in that situation you want to either a wide open layup or get on the free throw line but a couple I know we had the ball for probably like 20 seconds we were moving it and I was up on the wing like the first time I was like man if they give me this open shot again I'm taking it and I'm gonna make it and I got the ball back shot it and made it and uh made it a two possession game which is huge yeah big stuff uh what a fun call that was for us and to see you put Providence ahead at that point by four points in a quick three from Eastern Hancock as they tried to come back uh, off the mark and Grant Williams gets the rebound and, and the rest is history as you guys hit some free throws and were able to ice the game. What was it like? I mean, you've been a part of championship teams. I can remember first meeting you and your family years ago when we covered the, the Little League State Championship. So you know what it's like to win and be on good teams. But And you've had a couple celebrations here the last few weeks uh, with your team. But what was it like this one to set school record history as the first ever championship beyond the regional round and know that you played such a big part of it really from start to finish? Yeah, I mean, this journey has just been awesome. Man, we've had you can we've had so many people step up. Sectional championship game, uh Quentin Hesse, he stepped up big. Uh regional semifinal, Tyler Simmons stepping up big and then regional championship Casey and then the semi state game, me and Seabold stepping up. So you never really know who could step up on this team, which is awesome to have. And uh it's just a great thing to do with this team, this group of guys, and to make history at Providence. Nobody's ever done it before. It's just a great feeling. I'm glad you mentioned Grant Seabold. He came off the bench with three threes as well, and he was three of three, didn't miss. Nine points for him, and that was huge uh, as the game played out. You know, I, I, I'm asking you about you and your shot and your performance and your celebration after the game, and you're telling me about all these other players that stepped up on Saturday or other points during the tournament. Uh, Ryan Miller preaches team over everything else and uh, I've got to believe just hearing your answers today, you're taking this some of this personal credit and sharing it among the team. That's just what you guys believe in, isn't it? Yep, I couldn't have got here with all of us. I mean, the team, the coaches, all the community behind us. Man, the community's been great. All the support we've gotten and, like, all these messages I've gotten from people, I mean, I've never really even talked to. It's just an awesome feeling to get this support from everybody and, all these group of guys, man, I love to do it with these group of guys right here. I, we just love each other, and we have a great bond that's really made us have a far run in this tournament. We're talking with Max Beatty, 15 points for him on Saturday in the semi-state championship and the big three-pointer that we uh, just spoke about. That was a huge, huge moment for him and for Providence as well. Max, it's going to be a fun week. It's going to be a busy week, and it's going to be a tough week. You've got a very good opponent coming up in the state championship game on Saturday at Gainbridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. Uh, how looking forward are you to this opportunity to play not just another quality team, which I think is what we all expect at this level of the tournament, but to play on such a big stage. Has this kind of been a dream of you and Providence and Coach Miller uh, since you guys realized this group could be special? Yeah, I mean, I've never even really thought about playing at Pacer Stadium. I mean, but we've had a lot of guys playing in big uh, situations. We've had uh, Hesse and Charlie Scott playing the soccer state tournament. Then me, Casey, and Seabold played in the baseball state tournament last year. So we got a lot of experience on this team, and that's a really good thing going into state basketball. 
How about all the success at Providence? You mentioned soccer and baseball. The volleyball team has had a lot of success, and I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out. But uh, you're kind of in an athletic renaissance right now at Providence High School. Max, you've been a big part of a couple of those different teams experiencing all this success. Yeah, I mean, it's just awesome to do it with my time, my four years. First two years were all right, and then Coach Miller coming in, changing the basketball way, and then just seeing all these other sports succeed, like volleyball's been doing it for I don't know how many years. And then baseball, man, we just got a great community, and nobody really ever expects Providence to go really far, so they're always sleeping on us, and we just make it happen. All right, Max Beatty, before we let you go, you are a senior. You've still got another week of uh, basketball coming up and obviously a good portion of the school year, the spring part of the school year is still ahead. But let's talk a little bit about you away from sports. What what are you interested in uh, at the next level? And do you think maybe you want to play sports beyond your time at Providence? Have you thought much ahead about what could be next after high school? Uh, I've been thinking about it. I've been – I've been dealing with like a couple injuries and uh, thinking about playing next level. Might take a little bit of a break, see my first year, probably go up to IU Bloomington, see what happens up there, probably join a couple of intramural leagues and uh, just see what happens, see what I feel my second year. If I miss basketball, I might go back to it. I'm not sure. All right. Well, Max Beatty, our guest, I have no doubt that whatever you do, sports or otherwise, you'll be successful. It was an awesome environment for that ball game on Saturday. We'll have Coach Miller on later in the week and preview the upcoming state championship game. But again, congratulations to you. You came out on fire and you sure finished the game on fire as well with the three threes, 15 points and a really big night for you, Max Beatty. Congratulations. Yep, thank you. And that call was great. (laughs) That was a lot of fun. Max Beatty with us to start this Monday edition of the program. I am just remiss at the amount of not only good athletes, but good student athletes and people that we have in our local sports community. Once again, it's hard to believe that we'll, we'll trek back to Indianapolis just a few weeks after we were there for the girls' state championship. I know it did not go Silver Creek's way in the 3A girls' game this year, but to get there, a huge accomplishment, and we know the success that the Silver Creek girls' basketball team has had. Silver Creek and New Albany, and it wasn't too many years ago Borden was there, but I think for the first time uh, we'll get a chance to call the 2A game. We did 1A with Borden, 3A with obviously the Silver Creek boys and girls, 4A with uh, New Albany, but now a chance to uh, broadcast a 2A game And Ryan Miller, he's getting it done at Providence. So Providence, a big challenge with Central Noble, their opponent, coming up on Saturday. We'll we'll talk with their coach and learn more about them as the week goes on. But amazing that once again we have a local team that's going to play for a state championship. Just uh, unbelievable all of the success that this area, uh, this small part of southern Indiana, has experienced in the last number of high school sports seasons here in our area. Just special to be part of. And uh, people like Max Beatty, coaches like Ryan Miller, the shot like what Matt B- Max Beatty hit, the opportunity to call that possession, uh, just really fun. And congratulations to Max and his family and Coach Miller and Providence. And, of course, we'll be in Indianapolis on Saturday morning to bring you the 
recall of that 2A state championship game. We'll head to a commercial break. You know, another big game tonight. I know we think that basketball's pausing here for a few days, but the IU women had a huge win over Charlotte, UNC Charlotte, 85-51, and now they will play their last game of the season at Assembly Hall, win or lose against Princeton tonight. You know, I thought tonight was going to be IU-Kentucky women, which would have been a lot of fun, but Princeton upset Kentucky, so that plan uh, not going to happen tonight. But the IU women, a big opportunity to move on and do so with a home game tonight, the way the NCAA women's tournament is structured. So we'll discuss that coming up as well. Tons of stuff coming your way. We're going to start off-season mode with IU basketball next. Zach Osterman will join us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back on this Monday edition of the program. Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450 if you want to send in a question or comment. Maybe it's about Providence winning the semi-state or a question for Zach Osterman on IU basketball. We'll take him at 502-414-1450. Zach is with me right now. And Zach, before we begin off-season mode uh, for the Hoosiers, and there's so many different topics to, to broach here, I uh, want to give a little shout-out to the IU women. They will host Princeton tonight in the round of 32, the last game of the season at Assembly Hall, and IU a big chance to move on, I think, as we all expect uh, in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and I mean, obviously they can't take Princeton lightly. Princeton did just upset Kentucky, but you would think um, that that this would, would kind of smooth the road to Indiana getting to the second weekend. And I know this team has lofty aspirations, as it should. You know, I mean, after what they did last season, given what they're, they're capable of, um, you know, to, to me, frankly, if you would have said from the kind of the beginning of this season that Indiana would play to the Big Ten tournament championship game, Indiana would host NCAA tournament games, Indiana would go to the Sweet 16, um, I would have said that sounds like a very successful season because I think that, you know, this is a program that at this point what it really needs to underscore as much as anything else is the idea that these are the sorts of things you can accomplish if you're a really good basketball player and when a really good women's basketball player, you come to Indiana, you can expect not just to make the NCAA tournament, not just to win a game in the NCAA tournament, but to host games, to play deep into your conference postseason, to be a factor in your conference title race, which obviously they were until late in their regular season, and to advance you know, to play in multiple weekends of the NCAA tournament, which is when you start to give yourself the opportunity to go to an Elite Eight, to go to a Final Four, to go to a national championship game. Obviously, if you're Indiana, you, you, you want to max out this team you have. You have, you know, all this wonderful experience and, and talent, a, a fantastic starting five in particular. Um, but for the long-term health of the program, I think you've maybe already accomplished sort of what would be a minimum level of success a minimum level of, of success to call this a successful season, I guess, in, in terms of 
if Indiana can beat Princeton and get to the second round or second weekend, excuse me. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, my guess. Good stuff on the women. Should be fun tonight. Let's uh, let's get into the men's basketball offseason, Zach. There are going to be so many things to watch here. Some may come out sooner rather than later, and other decisions. It may take some time for everything to play out. But walk through some of the biggest things this offseason. I think number one is the obvious, Trace Jackson Davis. He's uh, had a, a strong close to the season. Uh, he definitely had to help his stock, but did he help it enough to become an NBA draft pick in the first or second round? And I'm not quite sure the answer, and I'm not sure anybody at this point knows that answer. Yeah, I think it would probably still be premature to say you're confident he'd be a draft pick. I, I do agree that he helped his draft stock a lot in the last, you know, maybe month of the season, certainly the last maybe three, you know, three and a half weeks of the season. I would be surprised if at very least at this point he doesn't test the waters. I mean, he hasn't done that yet. I mean, like that's, that's I think people kind of forget he didn't do it in 2020. I think probably in, in no small part because – the draft process was so interrupted in 2020 by COVID. He didn't even do it last year, though. Um, I mean, it was very just like, hey, I'm, I'm coming back. And, and it is worth saying, too, last spring he said one more year. Now, some things have changed since then. Um, you know, NIL could be more of a consideration for him than most players and whether maybe it's, it's more attractive to stay and continue working with a coach with an NBA background and Mike Woodson and having obviously lots of good facilities available to you, playing in front of big crowds, all those different kinds of things. I guess just from the hip, and this is genuinely not knowing anything, I would be surprised if he doesn't at least test the draft waters. And then from there, you never know. From you know, he he could go to the combine, have a great combine, and think my draft stock's never going to be higher. He could go there and and have the NBA, you know, have NBA people say we saw you start to mix that that mid-range game into your repertoire, if you can go back and show us that for one more year, then we can really boost your draft stock. I don't know. And again, how does something like name, image, and likeness factor into his decision? Um, but I would be surprised if, it, at very least, he, he didn't test the draft waters at this point. Again, not knowing anything you know, crazy insider-ish, um, it feels at very least appropriate for him to do that. All right, obviously, Race Thompson, and there are others that uh, need to decide their future as well. But I'm curious, Zach, with the, the good close to the season that I you had over the last two and a half weeks or so, um, beside the key guys from this year, uh, the guys that we talk about like TJD Race, even Xavier Johnson, I think became part of that trio as the season went on, uh, who, who are the most intriguing guys currently on the roster uh, for next season, is it a? Is it a? I think Jordan Geronimo's got to be in that discussion. Who else, in your eyes, would join Geronimo? Is is guys that with some off season work can really take a step forward based on what they got done here late this year. I think there's there's three, and I mean I <laughs> I had a, uh, a rather adventurous trip home uh, that included an eight hour delay out of Portland oh. on the Friday, and so I spent I spent about four hours at the Portland airport, and I spent a a couple of those writing a story uh, just about in a very player centric way, five things I think could, could kind of make Indiana and allow Indiana to really take some steps forward this off season. Um, and there were three players in particular I mentioned in there that I think kind of fit the mold of what you're asking. Geronimo was one, you know, we've even, I mean, to the extent that we've even heard Trace Jackson Davis, you know, kind of in the last days of the regular season talking about basically, 
Race Thompson treating Geronimo as his successor, uh, you know, frankly. Um, you know, I think I think the way Trace Jackson Davis put it was something like, you know, JG knows he's going to be in that spot next year or something like that. Um, Trey Galloway is another. And, and, you know, Galloway and Geronimo in different ways. I think maybe, you know, both of them, if, if you're Indiana, you'd love to come out of this offseason with both of them having developed a slightly more reliable three-point shot. Galloway was actually the best rim finisher among guards on Indiana's roster. Um, he was slightly ahead of, and I can pull up the numbers while we talk. He was slightly ahead of Xavier Johnson, who I think who's I think in his offense, as Johnson's offensive role grew, his, his rim finishing numbers dipped just a little bit. But in terms of uh, field goal percentage at the rim among players you would classify as true guards, Galloway finished 58.3 percent of his twos at the rim. And that's better than Johnson, who is 53.7. It's better than Rob Finnessy, who is 47.6. It's better than Tamar Bates, who is 44. So if you can, you know, and Galloway also, I guess the other consideration is, is you know, can he put together a full season? He was obviously, you know, he only, he only played 20 games this year, and, and Indiana really missed him when he wasn't available. Um, but I think if he can continue to progress, then I think he's another player that, that could potentially – sort of change Indiana's fortunes. And then the third one, and and I don't think this is an original thought by any means, but um, I, I still firmly believe there is a Big Ten caliber shooting guard in Tamar Bates, maybe even to some extent, I suppose, combo guard. I know it obviously was a, a difficult first season for him. He never quite found his offensive rhythm. He looked really good when I saw him in the Bahamas. I mean, I was convinced you know, then frankly that he was going to be, I didn't think he was going to be like, you know, 20, 20 a game score or anything, but he was going to be a, a key piece for Indiana. And he scored in double figures three times in Indiana's first eight games. Um, he looked really good in that early stretch. And then he didn't score in double figures again, but once the rest of the season, that was a loss at Michigan state. I think if you can, I don't want to say fix him because I don't think he's broken. I think he's just maybe that, 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 you know, adjustment curve was a little bit steeper than we realized. Um, I think that, that if, if you can find a way, if you're Indiana to get more consistency out of him, whether it's in a starting role or off the bench, um, I think that he could be a really good player in the not very distant future for IU. All right, Zach, I think, uh, I think I know the answer to this next question, but I'm going to let you expand on it a little bit. I think without question, the transfer portal activity, uh, for Indiana, whether it's players departing the roster, entering the portal, or whether it's players coming out of the portal to be added to the roster at some point this spring or summer, I got to believe it's going to be active. I know you look at IU's roster and think, well, really, they're overcommitted right now. If everyone were to come back uh, that has a scholarship, including the new recruits set to come in, but uh, the college basketball world has greatly changed. The transfer portal has been a huge part of that, and I see no reason to believe that there won't be some departures and some arrivals that we have no idea uh, who it could be at this point. Yeah, I mean that's that's I think that's very fair. I mean, and it, it, it's I've even pre portal era, I'm always kind of twitchy about you know sort of forecasting transfers. I mean, in as you say, in kind of the modern era of basketball, I think you know, we can all look down toward the end of the bench, you know, and, and guys that didn't play a lot and, and say, are they going to consider, you know, moving on? You've already seen a, a, one or two of those players. I mean, like Anthony Leal, for example, I think pretty publicly committed his future to Indiana. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. You've obviously got Race Thompson and Parker Stewart, neither of whom has fully closed the door on returning next season, but 
both of whom did go through senior night when, for example, Rob Finnessy didn't and, and very plainly said that he wasn't going through senior night because he wanted to keep that fifth year on the table. I'm not saying Race Thompson's definitely gone. I'm not saying Parker Stewart's definitely gone. But if you know, you can kind of see where the thought process leads them to want to go through senior night, then maybe it leads them to, to start thinking about life away from Indiana. As we talked about before, you've got Trace Jackson Davis, who may consider a professional future, may even just be one of those players that gets to a point where he says, you know, I've been in college for three years. I've scored nearly 1,600 career points. I'm just kind of ready for the next phase in my career, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And then there's always a curveball, you know, so something we don't see, somebody you don't expect. I, I would be surprised if, via all of that, Indiana doesn't at very least get down to, you know, 10 scholarship players to be able to fit the three from 2022 onto its roster come summer. Um, and then from there, any further sort of attrition or addition – or excuse me, any further sort of addition would need to be defined or would need to be prompted by attrition. So let's say you get down, you know, let's say you, you, you drop down to, to, you know, the, the number that will allow you to bring 2022 class in and then Trace Jackson Davis announces he's leaving. Well, then you might be going into the portal looking for some help in the post, looking for a big man, something like that. Um, but I think that it, you know, via all the different avenues that could possibly kind of take you to, you know, to being a, a team that or, – or to getting down to 10 scholarships before you bring those three in in the summer, those three freshmen, I don't I don't think Indiana's going to have a ton of trouble there. Yeah, and you mentioned 2023 20, uh, recruits coming in, or I guess 2022 recruits coming in. Uh, Jalen hood Shafino is about as intriguing as a recruit as I can remember since Romeo Langford for this IU team. I, I'm not ready to, and I, I'm not the expert to say that he's going to come in and play right away or, or be a stud in year one of college hoops, but uh, he's somebody that you would think is going to factor in some way early on in his career in the IU lineup. And along with him in that class, there are other just intriguing players, even C.J. Gunn in the Lawrence North uh, Indianapolis area. Um, He's not always been regarded as as one of the highest-ranked guys out there, but he can shoot it. He had a really good senior year, especially once he got healthy to close things out for Lawrence North. So there are a number of things in that senior class with all those guys that I'm intrigued by, but none bigger than what Jalen Hood Shafino could do, maybe even early on. I mean, I think, I mean, again, one of my other sort of keys on that, that, that piece that we just published it this morning was just kind of be ready for Jalen Ruggifino and how you, you know, how you fit a player who, as I kind of understand it, watching his film and things like that, how you fit that player next to Xavier Johnson is going to be interesting um, because I don't think if you're Indiana, you, you want to relegate Johnson. I mean, he had the, he literally just ended the season with the, the fifth highest single season assist total in Indiana history. Um, you know, he had 66 assists in Indiana's last 10 games. The offense found a new level, frankly, in about the last month of the season because of him, you know, because starting with that Ohio State game on February 21st, you know, there's not a single game in that, that run in he doesn't score at least 10 points. There's not a, a single game in that run in he doesn't have at least two assists. There's only one game in that run in he doesn't have at least four. Um, but my impression watching Jalen Huchifino's film, reading about him, I'll admit that I've, I've never seen him in person, but I've watched a lot of his film, obviously, is that he's a guard that wants to be very, fairly ball dominant. And so, you know, how do you, how do you make that work uh, when Xavier Johnson was your team leader and percentage of possessions used? I'm not sure. 
Um, but I think that if you can figure out a way to kind of fit them both on the floor, it can be, you know, frankly, it, it can be a, a huge boon to kind of basically every other position in terms of having multiple guys that can get on the ball, can drive and kick, can create, can break down a defense, can score around the rim. Um, obviously, Xavier Johnson, also a fantastic free, uh, free throw shooter, you know, in terms of quantity plus quality, Indiana's best free throw shooter this season. So uh, I just, I think that, you know, it, it's going to be a bit of a challenge to be ready for Hood Shafino uh, and figuring out how to fit those two together, presuming Johnson doesn't leave. I mean, listen, I, I don't think he will, but you never know a guy, again, a guy maybe tests the waters and finds out he's got higher stock than he thought he would or does well in the combine or whatever. You, you can never know whether these things are going to happen. But presuming, presuming Johnson comes back, getting ready for Hood Shafino and figuring out how to fit those two pieces together might be as important of kind of a personnel question as Indiana's got going into next season. And I think, I think Gunn and Banks are both intriguing prospects. I think you're right about Gunn's shooting ability. I actually think Banks has a really, really high ceiling. I mean, the, the, the player that, and I don't love player comparisons, but when I've seen him play um, both in person and on film, the player that um, I've sort of seen is, is a little bit of Juwan Morgan. He doesn't have the same body type necessarily, but a forward that you'd be comfortable letting, you know, letting him bring the ball up the floor, taking a few threes, you know, operating away from the basket, some offensively, also a guy that maybe is going to need a year or two to adjust to just how, basically tough you've got to be to score and rebound consistently inside in the Big Ten. I think Banks can be a really good player at time. But Hood Shafino is the one that I would expect to be, you know, a prominent part of Mike Woodson's rotation pretty much from day one. And I think integrating him once he gets to campus will be really important. All right, the final thing I want to bring up with you is Mike Woodson in year one. Obviously, there were some ups and downs, I think, as expected, uh, but a really good end to the season, the way this team played in the Big Ten tournament and getting a win, albeit a play-in game in the NCAA tournament, I think is big stuff. How do you score year one for Mike Woodson? Uh, the whole package, the the coaching the results, the success this year, the NCAA tournament, and even uh, bring in recruiting to that thought as well. Uh, for year one, uh, where's he at going into year number two? Well, I mean, I thought it was a solid first season, and I don't think it would have been if they hadn't made the tournament. And, and you know, there was that February sort of dip where they sort of flirted with not making the tournament, frankly. Um and if they'd gone from 16 and five to the NIT, then I think you would have looked at it and said it was an opportunity missed. But the flip side is often when, when we start to say that stuff, we say, well, if they had done this or if they had done that, they didn't, you know, they recovered, they pulled out of that tailspin. They, they closed the regular season fairly strong. Maybe that Rutgers loss at home, notwithstanding. And then obviously they did what they did in the big 10 tournament to get into the NCAA tournament where they also won a game. Um, you know, I I think this kind of needs to be a baseline now. You know, 20, 20-ish wins, an at-large berth in the NCAA tournament. Um, that, to me, needs to kind of be the minimum standard expectation nearly all the time for Indiana basketball. And then from there, you, you just sort of build on that. But as in terms of basically as first steps go, as first seasons go, I thought this was a good one. I thought it was a success for Woodson. Um you could also see, frankly, I think the other piece of it was you could see him really starting to kind of underpin, you know, some of the things that, that he wants his program to be about, certainly defensively. Um, not just the numbers, but the way Indiana was good defensively. 
Um, you know, they're, they're how, how much better they got in rim protection, for example. Um, you know, so, sort of philosophically, some of what they were able to do with ball pressure. And then, it, obviously, as the season wore on and Xavier Johnson got more comfortable, and I think we saw this really in the last month of the season, I think you saw that offense start to look more like Woodson really wants it to look, where it's, it's very sort of ball screen based, very sort of pick and roll heavy, and puts a lot in that point guard's hands. And, and, you know, expects a lot of that point guard for the, I don't know, the, the 85th time or whatever it's been. Um, this team needs to get better shooting the three. There's, there's just no way around that. They, they just cannot continue to be this bad shooting three pointers and not think that it's going to, to put a lid or a put, put a ceiling on their, you know, their expectation or their level of success. But, if you can improve that shooting eventually at some point, I mean, at some point they just have to start shooting better. Just the law of averages says that they're going to find it a couple of decent three point shooters. But if you can marry it to that improved point guard play, that improved offensive play, um, I think you see an offense that looks a lot more like what Woodson had in mind when he took the job as well. I think it was a successful first season. I don't think it was a resounding success. I don't think it was a, a stunning success, but I think it was a success. And I think it provides Woodson a lot to build off of going into this offseason. All right, Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star, always kind enough to be with us Mondays. Zach, thanks for the chat. Uh, March Madness rolls on, so we've still got some college hoops to think about, to watch, discuss here for a couple more weeks, and we'll have you back Monday. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. For sure. Zach Osterman with us on Mondays. And let's quickly go to the Thornton's text line. Texter says, I'm really impressed with the IU women's team's success again this year. I saw the list of Indiana All-Stars, and none of them will be attending IU. This is the case almost every year. Purdue has a signee, as as does Maryland, and Michigan has two. Allie Patberg came to us as a transfer from Notre Dame. Coach Moore recruits internationally, but why do we not get more home state girls? There is so much talent here. Interesting texture that you bring that up. I was looking at the IU women's roster in advance of the NCAA tournament, and really only three players with connections not only to the state, but really the Midwest. Uh, Grace Wagner played her high school basketball at Vincennes Reve, uh down north of Evansville. They've got a really good uh, uh, girls team, pro- girls program there. Allie Patberg, as you wrote, uh, from Columbus, played at Columbus North, missed basketball in the state, went to Notre Dame before transferring to IU. And other than that, Grace Berger, right here in Louisville, she's got a lot of connections to family here in southern Indiana. She played her high school basketball at Sacred Heart, who won it again this year in Kentucky. Uh, but other than that, I mean, international players, players from Maine, players from Canada, uh, one player from Tennessee. I mean, it, it's a very much spread out roster. And uh, her success, and Terry Morin is from Seymour, so it's not like she doesn't know the state or isn't connected with the state and its high school coaches. And obviously they've had a lot of success, so you hate to knock anything that she's doing. But I have noticed there there really is not that connection uh, to the state in the IU women's program that you would think maybe that there would be as they have this uh, period of success as well. So good point there. Thanks for the text. We'll head to a commercial break. We'll come back with our final segment. Chad Gilbert, AD at Charlestown, former coach in the area, uh, also IHSA executive board member. We're going to talk local sports and semi-state basketball. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this in for 
All the small schools never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back with Chad Gilbert, former coach, AD at Charlestown, IHSA executive board member to talk some semi-state basketball. And we had Chad Max Beatty with us earlier in the program representing Providence. He had a big game, a big late three. I mean, a huge one for Providence. And the Pioneers, our only local team left heading into the semi-state, remain alive. And, Chad, we've got another local group heading to play for a state championship coming up this Saturday. Matt, let's talk a little bit about Providence. First, when you think of them, you think of Ryan Miller. You think of everything that he's done over everything he's got to this point. There's no one smarter. There's no one more prepared. And there's no one more passionate about coaching than Ryan is. You know, there's a lot of guys that are out there that uh, meet those criteria. However, Ryan is one that you have no doubt when you saw him coach, when you knew what he was about, that he was going to make it to the state championship game. You know, a little vested interest. First, before we go in further on that one, great call. You and Carl Daddy were excellent on the game Saturday. It was great to hear you guys, the excitement that you brought to the game. It, You know, it felt like you were there. I mean, it was just an, an, out, an outstanding call by you guys. I got a little vested interest in Providence. Uh, longtime childhood friend, John Seabold's son. Um, Grant hit three big threes that game, you know, so, so excited for him and uh, him being able to come in and sit the, every one of those shots counted. It wasn't like those were runaway shots or the game's over with every one of those shots counted. And that game was a lot closer than what the final score ended. You know, you, you talk about Beatty hitting that shot. It seems like to me, Matt, on your call, he had the first five of the game. And so he set the tone there and then finished the game off with a strong three. Now, the three that he ended the game with, that's one of those no, 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 yes, 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 yes. I'm glad, glad it went in shots, you know, because it, it seemed like Providence was up one at the time, correct, Matt, when he hit that? Yes. Well, that just shows you the confidence that that kid's got and, and that stuff that Coach Miller has in, installed in those players. And for him, you know, he's someone that I saw the shot on Twitter and it was, it was a stroke. There was no doubt it was going in. That shows the confidence that that kid has. That shows the confidence that the team's playing with. And that's something that you need moving forward in the state championship. So congratulations to the Pioneers on their run to the state title this year. Chad, we get into this so much, but, but it's worth bringing up again. Uh, another local team from Clark and Floyd counties is going to play for a state championship. And I'm, there, there have been so many of them, as I just recant them quickly off the top of my head, I, I forget uh, a sport or a school or somebody that's that's been in a state championship game or won a state championship. But it's really amazing. I wonder if we're going to look back on this period at some point and, and remember this time with all the, the great players and, and great teams that we had that had breakthroughs to, to at least get to Indianapolis or maybe win it. Or I wonder if this is you know something that's going to be consistent, if our area is going to continue to be this good with the next uh, group of players that maybe are in middle school right now that are, are attending and watching some of these state championship games. But I, it's just an amazing time to be a sports fan and to follow this stuff locally. And for guys like you and I that talk about it on the radio every week, we, we're, we have no shortage of successful stories here. No, and like we said, to be a champion, you've got to be good and you've got to be lucky. I would think that this will be the trend that more and more teams you'll see from Clark and Floyd County, just because one, our area continues to grow. 
our youth programs, and that's a big thing of what you've done, continues to grow, continues to be strong, and our teams will continue to be strong. You will see, you know, there'll be spill-offs from the 4As to the 3A to 2A to 1A that you'll, you know, you may see kids that start out at a certain school end up at another school by the time they're in high school and, and compete and win a state championship. That's, that's already been done in some cases. So I, I would think that we're in a pretty good spot as far as winning state championships and competing for state championships, not just in basketball, but all fall sports, winter sports, and spring sports as well. You know, if you recall back to last spring, Providence baseball team won the uh, state championship in baseball. And part of that is, you know, Matt, the old saying is success breeds success. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad, uh, I know you're a, a basketball guy. I tried to call you a couple times this weekend, and, and I got the ignore button. You, I've never had the ignore button more in my life trying to reach a buddy, but I know why, because you're glued into these basketball games. You've got multiple TVs going. You've got the family together. You're taking it all in. So uh, biggest surprise, or maybe I've got to say biggest surprise or two from the weekend because there were so many upsets, so many great games going all the back, all the way back to Thursday. Uh, just a wild and wacky weekend of college basketball. Matt, first I apologize. <laughs> you can, you don't want to hit your your iPhone when you got Cheetos all over your fingers. We've all been in before, and I just didn't want to hit the button, but I do apologize. Uh... But you know, you, you think about it, the SEC and the Big Ten have been a dis- disappointment in the in the tournament. It was tough to see Coach Pearl and Auburn go down last night. Really hard to see Kentucky go down. Uh, Indiana, I think we're all glad that they got in, and we think that's an, a step in the right direction of springboard moving forward. And, you know, to us, I think, you know, you got to kind of get behind Purdue here and see that, that they're capable of making a nice run. You, you knew that at the start of the year. They went through a little uh, rut, and now I think they've come back. You know, I'm talking about Auburn a little bit. They were five and four in their last nine games. You know, so you got to be playing well at the right time, and that season's a grind. If you look at the national champion, they'll play forty games this year, start, starting back from November, ending in April. That's a long time, Matt. So you know, you got to persevere for some stuff. You got to catch a good draw, and you got to be lucky. But the games have been outstanding. They've been great. Uh, look forward for a good slate this weekend. I think it'll be a lot of fun. It's it's something that. Uh, it's one and done, and that's what makes the tournament so special. Are your picks still alive? I had Gonzaga against Tennessee in the national championship game, so when the Vols went out, that was a big hit to my bracket. But uh, your picks uh, still still there? Man, I'm, I've only lost one game so far. <laughs> <laughs> my, bracket, my bracket is shot. You know, it, it, it's over with. I hate, I hate that it's gone, but I do enjoy the, the exciting games. If you think about it, I've never remembered – a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday with games that all went down to the wire like these have. It's been a great time to watch basketball. I agree, but I feel like I say that every year, every other year. Is this the best opening weekend of the tournament? I think we were just talking about that a year or two ago with some some of the crazy results, but it's March Madness, and I love it. And uh, Again, the locals, except for Purdue, out, but uh, still some fun uh, fun weeks ahead of, uh, of college hoops and high school basketball this weekend as well. Chad, we've got just a, a short amount of time left, but I I want to bring up we're getting ready for spring sports as the ad at charlestown i know your focus is there right now uh with those schedules and and facilities and coaches and teams and all the things that go into getting season started uh, i think once again with baseball here in our area as i look at preseason polls 
and just player rankings involving uh, college prospects here on the baseball side locally. We've got another really, really good spring ahead of us for high school baseball. Wouldn't be surprised if we have somebody back in Indy for that. You know, Matt, it, it is an outstanding time of year, and baseball in Southern Indiana has continued to put itself on the map, so I think we'll have a good uh, showing this spring. One thing I do want to touch on, Matt, I hope we get big crowds to the state finals this year. Providence's opponent has a guy going to Wisconsin in the Big Ten. You know, that's going to be up to Coach Miller what he does today. He's going to, he's going to decide what, how many points that kid scores, whether he wants to lock him down and let him not score or he wants to let other people not score. You can guarantee he's devised a play to, uh, he's devised a game plan to go in there and beat them. The last question I have for you, Matt, you're on the call this weekend. Are you ba- are you paying for Crawl Daddy's lunch? Yes, yes or no? Yes, absolutely. Crawl Daddy's been great, man. I can't get Chad Gilbert, so – Crawl Daddy's a close segment. We got to go though. Uh, this wraps don't count. <laughs> this wraps up our Monday program. Back with you every day this week at 11 a.m. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.